It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. This must be well, the 31st podcast in a row. I don't know. Maybe we didn't do a rest day one, but <laughs> it's been a long grind. The Tour de France Farmer Vic Zwift has finished. Stage 8 is in the books on a really, really good first edition. And this was 124Ks finishing on La Superplanche de Belfi. We had the harder mountain stage yesterday, smaller gaps today, most likely. Uh, the two big climbs were Ballon d'Alsace, 9K 7%, Cat 1, so some good points on offer. And then descent, pretty long flat valley actually before La Superplanche, which means the gravel bit at the end, 7K is 8.6%. But a word on our show partners with the racing concluded today, but the finish line is just the beginning for these riders and for the Tour de France fam avec Swift, a fantastic first edition, almost, yeah. So smooth, went off without a hitch, as well as supporting LRCP Zwift to supporting the Tour de France fam for another three years. So thanks to everyone who's tuned into these podcast recaps, watched the stages live, especially read about the race, watched the highlight videos on Lantern Rouge YouTube channel, because ultimately we need to show support and demand for the women's racing and that it exists so we can all keep making the race bigger and better in years to come. I've been, we've been really happy with the podcast numbers. They've been fantastic. A lot of people have been enjoying the pod. Uh, the highlight videos on the main channel, Lantern Rouge YouTube channel, averaging like nearly 100K views a video is really solid. Like that exceeds some longer, more established races. So that's really, really good to see. And if you'd like to support Zwift and give easy, accessible indoor riding a go, head to Zwift.com for your free seven-day trial. But we had a very different stage today than yesterday, Benji, where it was Van Vleuten clear at the start of the stage when TV started. Today was a little bit, I would say Roglic Paranee Stage 8 2021 vibes. Some <laughs> really nervous moments for her, even starting with break formation where I felt like Movistar weren't really in control. Yeah, I think uh, a break got away initially, as expected on the Côte des Moulières. It's what we mentioned yesterday in the preview of today's stage. A smaller climb before we get to the two major climbs on the parkour, which offered an opportunity for the break to go because Van Vleuten will not go hard on a smaller climb now it's also harder to control on a climb than on a flat section so that break started creating and it included the following riders the mad rider we saw doing very well for sam michel on the gravel stage yara castellane my pick for today's stage well uh we'll see if that turns out good or not mavi garcia your pick for the breakaway if the breakaway won on today's stage royakers shabby Milan lippert marcus grace brown patino and thomas now when i saw patino i was like ooh, spicy we've got a potential satellite rider for the leader, or do you think it's accidental that she got in there while trying to control on that Côte des Moulières? I think it was kind of just freedom uh, yeah. to go for the stage, maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure there was like a satellite rider plan. I think it's always better to be represented than not. Patino, she's very small as well. Like, I'm really not sure how much help she can provide 
uh, on the flat either, controlling a break. But yeah, it was a lot of what we saw with Vingegaard in week three. Remember those breakaways where it was Vingegaard at the front of the peloton being like, no one's going to attack, right? We're all going to let this break go and not make my life difficult. It was kind of those vibes for Van Vleuten. She was at the front sort of pacing a bit here and there. I was like, I don't know. Essie Works got Majerus. She's a big engine up the road. Trek as well. The problem was, Benji, they didn't try all week. So with three minutes in the books, like, you need a miracle. Yeah, like you mentioned it. You just mentioned it. Majerus went into a a second counterattack after the initial breakaway formed with some other riders, the likes of Ottestad, Santesteban, Berto, Cristoforo, and Korovar, the last four that I just mentioned. So not Majerus actually got to the breakaway, but Majerus and Ottestad did not actually bridge towards the front completely. By the time that we had an event happening with Van Vleuten with about 57k to go, we're not on the ball on Dalsas yet, but she was about to go down, eh? Because like... Van Vleuten's luck today was not on the spot, or do you think it's equipment-related from this point onwards? I don't know whether Van Vleuten... I remember Contador was very picky about the bike, whether she's very picky, and I don't know whether it was that. I don't know whether she flattered a lot. I don't know whether the bike just wasn't right and the saddle height was wrong or something. I don't know, but she had like four bike changes, I counted at least, and it was curious. This is where the Peronese Stage 8 vibes really came in because she does the bike change. I can't really see where all the groups are. Mm-hmm. Kopecky's pacing really hard before that major climb, the Ballon d'Alsace. And you know, like, you need, I don't know, two minutes on her before the base. Like, if you're volering, maybe a minute and a half, and you've got the valley afterwards. So, like, you need to gain real time. Kopecky was pulling, and then volering stopped her pulling, and then Trek started helping. I don't know. It was Madras got called back a little bit later. I think she I, um... feel, I feel like volering was in two minds about whether to really throw out the uh, unwritten rule book, which doesn't exist. Oh, I'm not sure. I thought it was pretty clear that they were going to uh, chase it down because I did see... Notably, for example, that I think that Majerus was pulled back from that second chasing group behind the breakaway to the peloton to actually start pacing and not necessarily the chase itself that started doing this. That's at least how I saw it. But I'd love to have seen like the team radio of his D-Works at that point in the race, which we unfortunately did not. That would have been I'll a- pay for that. And a Vandebrecher being like, Christine, get back! <laughs> like, I'm flirting soft back. And you got to start pacing. She had a mechanical. That would, I yeah. hope I'd love to see that. Yeah, wow. exactly. But when it comes to the first mechanical of Van Vleuten, I do want to mention she starts with that yellow bike, she switches to a blue bike. I think it's Bionic's bike that she actually gets at a certain point. I think there's a 7 centimeter height difference from the heights that I find online, so probably wasn't, wasn't the most comfortable. So it's understandable that if you change to that bike, you're likely going to get a second bike change follow-up later. And that's what we also see in this in this race because yeah like we mentioned 57k to go mechanical for avv we see the actions of both trek and sd works to pace in the peloton to keep von vleuten behind whether it was in two minds or with fully doing it uh, we're we're unsure about it we would like to know the behind the scenes to uh to be able to conclude that but when the Ballon d'Alsace happens, when it starts properly climbing, it's clear that Van Vleuten is just coming back. She uses Gutierrez, I think, Sheila Gutierrez, when it comes to the chasing behind. She gets to the back of the peloton again. And then not too much later, she has that second bike change from the blue bike, which I guess is Bionic's bike, back to the yellow bike, which was on top of the Movistar car. That's at least how I'm trying to puzzle in the situation at the moment. But 
hey, it was a pretty crazy situation. We're down to a peloton where it includes Volring and Van Vleuten again. And then it's kind of like a relatively slow Ballon d'Alsace because like the break is, what is it? It was still 45 seconds, 50 seconds ahead. Relatively large even group. a minute. Okay. It got more than a minute at parts. It was like, for example, Nuvia Doma has uh, Ruyakas, I think, and Amelie in the break. She's just trying to defend third. She has no incentive to pace Alsace. Uh, Trek can't pace. They have no riders there, I don't think, for Longa Borghini. Van Dijk's dropped. Uh, Ludwig has Music, but she's probably not a better pure climber than Nuvia Doma anyway. Van Vleuten does another two bike changes, and I was thinking, Jesus. <laughs> Like that must this must be costing her. I think she did four bike changes at some point, so I don't know what was wrong. Um, I have no idea. Well, I would love to hear. But Vollering did attack at the end, and I wondered like she tested Van Vleuten on Ballon d'Alsace a few times, and then I don't know if it was, but it wasn't to bring the break back for QOM points. She would take QOM eventually anyway. I don't know. It seemed like a kind of a last ditch effort for GC. She also then got to the descent, break still had really pushed the descent very, very hard, clearly better or more comfortable descending than uh, Van Flirten. It just, there were even gaps at times, but it wasn't enough. So, and a huge valley head. So, I don't know. She tried for GC, but it was kind of a little too late. Yeah, I think so as well. It's a situation where she can't do too much either with the situation of the race. You know, there's not too many satellite rides for SD-Works in a breakaway, for example, that could play a role if she even gets away on the Ballon d'Alsace. What happens then? Like, it's going to be 1v1 again, just like yesterday. Who knows? But it was also, we're talking about the Queen of the Mountains jersey there for a second. You mentioned it. She was going to take it eventually. But it's also actually because the Ballon d'Alsace that she might be able to get it from this point on within the race because she started today's stage with one point ahead of uh, Van Vleuten in the Polkadot jersey. And because she gets five points on the Ballon d'Alsas and Van Vleuten gets zero points, that makes her advantage six points. And we know that at the finish line, I think it's 10 6 4 when it comes to the Queen of the Mountain. So let's say the GC riders would win. As long as Volring stays one position behind Van Vleuten, her QOM is secured from this point onwards in the race. So that's basically done for, and like you mentioned, descent happens, groups kind of reform, and that's where it starts getting interesting tactical for me. That's where I want to want to talk yeah, with you a bit. It was boring at that point. <laughs> I, I, f- I found something super weird. I found something super weird. We get to the bottom, and in the group, nobody wants to pace, which is logical. I think Van Vleuten is kind of waiting for her teammates. The others don't see a value in pacing. Canyon has two riders in the breakaway. Uh, we've got um trek having still leah thomas in the breakaway by the way at this point yep. in the race and then we start noticing that canyon shram starts spacing in the second group and that leo thomas is being pulled back to the peloton to chase in the second group and i didn't know why i didn't get it like is your chance of beating von vleuten suddenly higher than doing something in the break with roy and and i think it's chabby instead of on music by the way but like i thought chabby and roy stayed in the break yeah, they and, did. And but kept pacing the break. Canyon Shram was also pacing in the peloton at that point, towards the end of the Flats Valley before the Super Planche. So I was like, what's the plan now? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't actually have an answer to that. It, it seemed to me like the two groups reached, they were like one minute behind and then 40 seconds at the base and there was a rush into the base. But in that valley, neither of the groups really had an incentive to push. And so they went pretty slowly through the valley. Mavi Garcia was trying to get the group moving in front because she could win the stage. She, yep. I think, would have won the stage from the break unless you was, I don't know, 
Ewers did well on the stage, uh, but I don't know if she was in Peloton or Break. Peloton, um, I think. Okay. But, yeah, she was trying to get it moving, but then, yeah, they get to the base of Superflanche and Van Lurten, I think Volering was pacing on the front a little bit, Longer Borghini pacing, trying to see, because Nuvidome is in third, Ludwig and Longer Borghini want to put her under pressure for um, third place. If I was Longer Borghini, I would have done that with Van Dyke's help probably three hours before on the rolly terrain. And Van Vleuren just drops everybody and rides away. She didn't look good. Like she, I know it's hard to judge Van Vleuren. Like she doesn't make it look easy. She looked like uncomfortable, but she just, yeah, just rode away and was like, thanks for coming, uh, everybody. This is Patino Erasure, my friend. Patino, oh, the mythical satellite rider in the I breakaway. Know how much she helped. <laughs> it what was she, mythical. She's like five foot. <laughs> and it she, was. Van Vleuren wasn't even in the draft. She just <laughs> runs side by side. I know there is a psychological benefit to it, but it's got to be the most symbolic satellite rider <laughs> ever, ever. I don't think she helped very much. It was nice. Oh, come on. It, it was like she the perfect link up. It was the perfect link up, I would say, because. It's a point where Von Vleuten gets a gap on Volering and she links up with Patino. There's a small gap, but the gap is there. And I think that factor can mentally not only help Von Vleuten, but also mentally hurt Volering a tiny bit. That's how I see it. But you might be right. It might be less than it looked like. But hey, I loved it. And I was like, okay, this is, this is what, I, what I want satellite riders to look like. <laughs> well yeah i mean again like was camera really helping hindley on fedaya i think psychologically was wapanart really helping vingegaard i think it does make a difference yeah. there you know so but then van Vleuten wasn't even in the draft so i was like what's going on here um but yeah van Vleuten just too strong and I, but i would say not like yesterday uh for planche de Belfi, it's like a 23 to 25 minute climb uh, for the women's world tour super planche that is and Volering held the gap really well. Now, whether that was AVV bike issues, the cumulative effect of chasing after the bike issues, because she had to chase on the flat before Ballandale Sass, and then on the climb, I don't know. But it wasn't like a complete smack. Well, no, it was still a smackdown, to be honest. Um, but Volering did a really, really good job. She, uh, well, not she, Van Vleuten wins the stage uh, 30 seconds or so ahead of Vollering, who holds really well on this. It's a foul, steep finish to this climb uh, on that gravel finish. Persico out sprints Niviodoma for third, although they were neck and neck in the sort of last 100 metres. Niviodoma fourth, holds on to third. Labou fifth, Longaborghini sixth, US seventh. Ludwig had a little bit of trouble on the climb, eighth on 250. Garcia ninth, Lippert from the break, tenth as well. Um... Anyone else from GC? Relevant there. Uh, anyway, GC, Van Vleuten wins GC, holds on, extends her gap, 348 head of Vollering. Nuviodoma holds on to third on 635. Labou in fourth, great performance from her. DSM right on 728. I do think it's a shame that they made the young riders jersey under 23 because, like, uh, credit to Van Anroy, I guess, but it really was a small pool of riders eligible for that. And Labou, I think herself is 23 years old. So in if it was under 25 like normal, she would have won that. Persico's uh, fifth, the revelation of this year's tour, unbelievable from her. Yeah. She, she looks really, really good. Longaborghini, sixth. Ludwig actually drops two spots from fifth to seventh. Music eighth. Uh, Veronica Ewers as well, another revelation. The American on EF jumps to ninth. Garcia in 10th uh so 
Yeah, any thoughts on the final GC standings, Benji? Like you said, I'd say that Persico is the revelation of this Twitter front. I think um, if we think about her, we knew that she was pretty damn talented already. Like Giro Dolan getting seventh there. We knew that climbing talent was there. We knew the punching was there with her finishing in Bergamo, for example. But to deliver this a, uh, a top five in the Tour de France Femme, I don't think many would have given it before the Tour de France Femme started. She's very young, still 25, and... She's likely moving teams, rumored to be going to UAE together with um, two of our teammates, Gasparini and Consoni. So Valkar is once again getting plundered at the end of this year's uh, transfer season, if that's correct, which <laughs> that's crazy to think about. Valkar is so good at getting talent out. I know. Balsamo was on Valkar, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, she came top seven in six stages. Like, great <laughs> performance from her. And I guess... You know, if you send her to, I want to see her in the uh, in some of the other classics. She didn't do any of the Ardennes races. She did Brabant. She came tenth, uh, seventh, sorry, but she didn't do any of the Flesh Liège uh, races. Amstel. I'd really like to see her there. I think she could do something in those yes. races. Crazy rider. Um, otherwise, Ewers was good, but Fanzlund's just too strong, I guess, and. And we can talk stage design. I, I think it was good. I liked today's stage. I thought today was a, a, quite a well-designed stage. I think the the flat valley and little climbs before Ballon d'Alsace, 72, 75 Ks of that, did provide an opportunity to get someone like a Majerus Van Dyke up the road. And there was a long valley before, so team tactics could have been employed theoretically on this stage to hurt Van Vleuten. Um, but also she was too good. So I think this stage was uh, really, really well designed and it's cool to see the yellow jersey win the stage. Van Lurten, um, yeah, got to be Movistar's best investment ever. <laughs> like Annemiek van Vleuten just so, just doesn't stop winning for them. Any other, I guess, thoughts on uh, GC or this stage? I should say points, Voss wins, uh, QOM, Vollering wins, four points ahead of Van Vleuten. Youth is Van Anroy. And teams was Canyon Tram. I would say Nuvia Doma, I didn't expect her to come third. And yep. also, it wasn't just a fluke. She was the third strongest GC rider in this race, apart from yep. Cavalli, etc. Exactly. I agree with that completely. And when it comes to the top 10, I'd argue that the points I can make is that Labu did what we kind of anticipated her to do after her performance on Laguna Zanaya, for example. Yep. Longo Borghini ended up coming roughly where we expected her to come in a race like this. The real differences are indeed Nivia Doma doing better as I ex- than I expected, Persico doing better than I would have uh, hoped for, but it's great to see her do that. Muzic and Ludwig, I think uh, FDGA, like, this makes it clear to me that Cavalli would have ended up be the strongest rider on these last two stages for FDGA. Uh, looking how Ludwig folded in the last uh, in the last mountain stage here. But talking about the stage design very shortly, I think the only thing I could mention is I would have liked the last two stages to be the other way around, but I understand that it's more heroic to finish on the Super Planche than in Le Markstein, for example, with the Twitter France one. Would Cavalli have been better than Vollering? I don't know. We'll never know. I think I think possibly. Uh, but that's just projecting what Cavalli could have done. I think Cavalli would have been better. Could she have pushed Van Vlerten? I don't know. That's another whole kettle of fish entirely. You need something special. 
my stage pick for the day, Mulman uh, abandoned, I think, with sickness or something like that. Kristen Faulkner, who we, well, I expect, I think I think you might have as well, Benji, to sort of be a bit more prominent in the race. I think she posted that she's been a little bit unwell as well. So I guess not. it's not all decisive, you know, that, okay, yeah. this rider didn't show X, that that means they won't be competitive, et cetera, in other races, or this is a be-all and end-all. Some riders came in a bit sick, some riders came in overtrained, or there's Giro Donna. Uh, but, yeah, great race. And we'll have the full recap of the Tour de France time of X-Swift and the men's Tour de France. We haven't forgotten. We're recording tomorrow morning. Will I have my camera batteries charged and fixed by then? Uh, let me know down below. Wrong answers only, letting me know where the charger <laughs> is. If you could let me know where it is. Wrong answers in the comments only. That'd be fantastic. Other news, though, for before we get into, um, before we do those fulsome recaps tomorrow, Tour de Polonia, other World Tour race on. Messy sprint, just really messy again. Carbon Tyson won for Intermarche. They just keep winning. Meta Pascal Ackerman, Jonathan Milan, Coy, Sam Bennett, Damar, Viviani Cantor, Marin van der Berg, and Cavendish. Um, yeah, it's just a messy sprint. And the lead outs. Yeah, I mean, that was me trying to do Tyson. Is that how you do it? Carbon Tyson? Carbon Tyson. Okay. He's actually not bad. He came second in Vuelta Sprint, I think, on Lotto before. Uh, otherwise, uh, if you do want to watch another race, Sekirto de, de Getcho, which is a Basque one-day race that's on the Sunday after San Sebastian. It's actually a lovely race, and it was the scene of Juan Ayuso's first, I think, professional win, which, I mean, unsurprising because the man is well, he's a young man, but he has an incredible punch. He's really talented rider he again it's actually crazy if you go and watch last year there was a group of two boar riders i believe aliotti and shelling and they went to the line with nitsolo and the tactics were a bit perplexing to say the least and it's the same finish a little 800 meters seven percent finish this year kelderman and buchman kelderman let out now i love wilco i think wilco is really underrated but he did he did lead out with his teammate behind and then let out the whole sprint. And I, I think people don't know, Benji, how quick Ayuso is. He's legit fast. La Molina, didn't he dust everyone in that uphill sprint, the one where O'Connor got up the road? Yeah, he certainly did. But I wanted to note another thing about this race is that next year the Tour de France is starting. The men's Tour de France is starting in Basque Country. And the two clubs that are at the end of the parkour on this one, Vivero and something like that are both in the first or second stage of the Tour de France next year so that's a small detail that I like to highlight because uh makes it a bit more interesting it's a bit of a recon for you viewers out there and I don't know if there's a Vuelta Espana stage that starts in Irun which is on the French border near San Sebastian then goes to Bilbao there is stage five this year wow Basque Country getting a lot of this area the Basque Country getting a lot of cycling <laughs> I'm actually going to San Sebastian in about just over a week, uh, and I'll be doing – it's not to do Tour de France Recon 23. It's for a holiday, just in case anyone knows. But maybe I get the car out and some <laughs> some Velo viewer and some notes and just do the do the circuit. I don't know. I mean, I've got some fair few days there. But, yeah, this is a great little race. It's on YouTube, I think, the Get Your Race, so you can go and watch it. And, yeah, I also won ahead of uh, Piccolo, on uh, Drone Hopper. I don't know if he's off to EF or somewhere. Uh, I can't remember if that was confirmed by Benson on Twitter 
or uh, transfer room of people. I'm probably misremembering, but he's a really, really talented rider, Piccolo. He was on uh, Gazprom and he sort of bounced around a little bit. He was on Astana before there and didn't seem to have a very good time, but like to be coming um, in this field, contesting second or third is just really, really good. He's yeah. a really talented rider. And sorry, I'd confirm, yes, Benson did say that, that he will be going to EF from August. I think uh, he was also under uh, a lot of injuries when he was at his time in Astana, and that's the reason that he didn't really break through during that time. But a very talented rider, and uh, once again showing it in this race. And that's also sort of an aspect of these smaller races that you get big talent like the sixth rider in the race, Alex Aramburu, also showing themselves. And uh, what a wonderful ride once again. Eh? Is he is he a pro Conti rider looking for a contract somewhere? Uh <laughs> He's a world tour rider, but he's 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 only breaking through. Okay, he's only breaking through. I think he broke through, <laughs> got a good contract, and things are not looking as good. <laughs> no, nah, I actually think Aaron Brew's class rider. I think he's really versatile. I just, hey, I just I'm um, his marketing department there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but fuck, like <laughs> it's not been great so far. I mean, but a lot of riders haven't been performing uh, on Movistar, so probably not his fault. I think he's really good. Anyway. The that was the kid to get show. As I said, we will have the Tour de France recaps recorded tomorrow morning and probably up uh, after that. On we will do an all encompassing Tour de Polonia recap. We won't be doing stage by stage recaps, I'm afraid, because we'll both we we booked in this week to have a week off, so forgive us. Um, we'll also do a post Nord Vargarda recap on 7 August. European Champs preview, the road race in TT 10 August, then the recaps of that and through Scandinavia recaps, well to preview on 15 August, European Champs TT recap on 17 August, and then the Vuelta starts on the 19th of August. So that's the schedule. It's a little bit of time off now, and in throughout their transfer window starts at 12 o'clock tonight, uh, where the announcements start. A lot of riders have already signed. And so we will do emergency reaction podcast to the big names. And then we will do an all-encompassing transfers wrap-up. We have a new award as well. So make sure you look out for that. Uh, for the transfers, it's the Jai Hindley LR Take Award. For the rider, I say, is a terrible transfer who will go on to probably win the Giro or do really well. So, yeah, anyone that wins the Jai Hindley Award, that's the best award to receive. It means you're going to have a fantastic 2023 and make me look like an idiot. But that's all from us today. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll, thanks to Zwift as always. And we'll see you with the Tour de France recaps tomorrow. Ciao. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.